Welcome to the WPC Sermon Podcast from Westminster Presbyterian Church in Charlotte, North Carolina. This week's sermon is from Head Pastor Owen Stepp, titled, When You Fast, and is part of our sermon series on the season of Lent. To find more information on our worship services and live stream, check out our website, westminstercharlotte.org. Now enjoy this week's sermon from Pastor Owen. This morning, our scripture reading is found in the book of Matthew, chapter 6, verses 1 through 7 and 16 through 18. Beware of practicing your piety before others to be seen by them, for then you have no reward from your Father in heaven. So whenever you give alms, do not sound a trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogue and in the streets, so that they may be praised by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward. But when you give alms, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your alms may be done in secret, and your Father, who sees in secret, will reward you. And whenever you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, so that they may be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward. But whenever you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. When you are praying, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. And whenever you fast, do not look dismal like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces so as to show others that they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face, so that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I'm going to get a little bit out of order, if that's okay with everybody, for a minute. Uh, How many of you are grateful to be here today with the family of God? Can you raise two hands if you're really glad the day we became Pentecostals, right? (laughs) It is so good, and I know we want to express that gratitude to God, too. So I want to invite you uh, to give a clap offering to God. Can we just give God thanks? Most of you have never probably preached a sermon before, and probably even fewer of you have preached in an empty sanctuary. Let me tell you that uh, the response and the energy that you bring as the family of God here uh, makes our work so much better, uh, and we are grateful for your presence here. Let me pray for us as we hear the word of God today. Lord, we've now heard your word read. Pray for your Holy Spirit to come and to impart the word of life to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're in our third Sunday in Lent now, aren't we? As we come and celebrate uh, the journey toward the celebration of Easter. That destination is only a city in the distance in many ways for us, but by faith we say we will arrive by the grace of God at that glorious feast of Easter morning. 
The season of Lent always has included in church tradition some celebration of fasting and preparation of our own hearts to celebrate. Now, fasting is a well-documented practice in Scripture. I grew up a Southern Presbyterian, right? Fasting was not part of our regular religious practice. That's something that Catholics do, right? But over the course of recent years, particularly, I've I've engaged the practice of fasting and studying and seeing how many places in Scripture it talks about fasting. God's Word is full of fasting. God's people in the Old Testament are called to fast on occasions throughout the year and throughout their history. We see it in Leviticus, in Joel, in Isaiah, in the Psalms, in Nehemiah, in Ezra. There are corporate fasts. There are also personal fasts that people go on. People like Moses, people like Daniel, people like Paul, and most importantly, our Lord Jesus Christ, in preparation for his own ministry, went into the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights where he fasted. We've challenged you in this season of Lent to fast from something for 24 hours, whatever that may be for you. It's interesting, too, that in, these, in the last few years particularly, fasting has come back in kind of the popular literature, not in a spiritual sense as much as in a physical and nutritional sense. From extended days of fasting to everyday practices like intermittent fasting, where people restrict their eating to a period of six or eight hours, there are many who promote the possible health benefits of fasting. Reportedly, it helps improve our blood sugar levels and our cholesterol. It might even help us lose weight. Maybe even it it improves our mental acuity and increases our energy levels. It might even help us in avoiding some serious diseases. There are many physical aspects of benefit from fasting, it seems, today, and it's more popular in the literature, but the angle we're coming at it from today is a little bit different from that. We engage fasting as a way to turn our attention to God. Away from ourselves, away from the distractions that constantly call us to give them our love and affection and attention and to turn us toward the one who has loved us. Now in our scripture this morning, Jesus was preaching in his sermon on the mount against the spiritual practices that were being practiced in a wrong way. Right? So just because you do the right things, the practices that he talks about here, the giving alms, the prayer, the fasting, you could do those the wrong way. You could do the right thing the wrong way. Reminds me, Charlie started baseball this week and reminded me of one of my favorite coaches back when I played baseball who said, practice doesn't make perfect. Perfect practice makes perfect. You can practice the wrong way. You can practice prayer the wrong way. You can practice fasting and giving the wrong way. And that's what Jesus was calling the people around him out on in that way. But there's an underlying assumption here for him that they do these things. He he didn't say, if you fast, if you pray, if you give alms. Or he didn't say, you know what, guys? I came up with a great idea of what you should try. He said, when you give alms when you pray, when you fast. Our faith is not just something that we hold in our heads, it is something that we practice with our bodies and in our lives. 
Fasting is something we have to, I think, recapture in many ways as, as Protestants. Fasting has a multitude of spiritual benefits as well. The first being, I think, that it focuses our attention on God. Now, in general, fasting will not disturb most of the elements of your normal life every day. You're still going to work. You're still going to school. You're still distancing from people. You're still getting caught in traffic. All of those things are still going to happen. But even as we wait in line for whatever we may be doing, what do we do normally when we get bored? Pull out the phone, and we put some junk food into our brains and into our hearts. When we're fasting, one of the things, the truths that happens is you get hungry. We experience a little bit of hunger pain, as it were, that reminds us, oh, we usually eat at this time. But what does it do for us at that moment? But we are able to go back to the words that Jesus himself quoted when he was tempted in the wilderness. Remember when the devil came to him and tempted him with all the things of this world. And what did Jesus say to the tempter? He quoted scripture and said, people do not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. That's our word of the week this week. Say it with me, it's on the back of your bulletin today. When Jesus was tempted, Jesus replied what? One does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Let's do it one more time. But as Jesus answered, it is written, one does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And as we experience pains of hunger, however great or small they may be, in our times of fasting, that can be our prayer as well. That's my prayer, because I remind myself during fasting times when I am hungry, I do not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from you, O Lord. It's a reminder that these things that we think we can't live without, these things that we do take comfort from, can all be taken away. And what is left is the word of the Lord in our lives, in our relationship with our Father in heaven. In our age of distraction where we cannot seem to take even a moment of silence or calm or focus, it is a deeply spiritual exercise to dial in our attention throughout the day, not on our Instagram or on Tar Heel basketball or politics, but on God, the one who has created us the one who has loved us. It will not happen by accident. Fasting provides an opportunity to allow life with God to penetrate the other hours of our days and weeks when we might otherwise go through life without wondering a thought about our souls and the God who loves us. Fasting provides the opportunity for attention. Richard Foster, in his classic book, The Celebration of Discipline, writes that another purpose of fasting is that it exposes things in our lives. He writes this, fasting reveals the things that control us. That's, this is the wonderful benefit to the true disciple who longs to be transformed into the image of Christ. We cover up what is inside us with food and other good things, but in fasting, these things surface. What does he mean by that? How does fasting reveal the things that control us? 
Maybe we can put the question another way, similar to the way Jennifer did today. Where do you go for comfort? Where do you go for security? This world inevitably wounds us and breaks us and marks us and wears us down. And in the last year, we've experienced that in a degree and in a capacity that I don't think any of us imagined before. Our distance and isolation and fear and anxiety, our break in routine and relationships and separation from sacred space. And for many of us, that leads us to find something to help numb the pain. Something to help us make up make us feel like everything is okay in some measure. We do something to distract our senses from the truth of the fact that nothing in this world is enough to satisfy us and that everything around us is actually passing away and one day will be gone. We live fragile lives. Dust we are, to dust we will surely return. There is no escaping that truth though many people live in denial. The COVID pandemic has seemed like, in many ways to me over the last year, a forced fast, right? If a fast keeps us from our normal things, our normal routines, our normal relationships, we were forced into that in many ways. Let me ask you this, what got exposed in your life as the place where you go for comfort? as the thing which actually controls our lives. We didn't get a choice, <laughs> it just happened. Justin Early has written a great book called The Common Rule that we took some of our practices from for Lent. I hope you're engaging some of those. But one of his emails during Lent wrote this, I encourage you all this Lent to search for the end of yourself, for that is the beginning of finding Christ. The traditions of fasting and voluntary restrictions during Lent are precisely for this purpose. It is hard to see the reality of our own broken mortality when we constantly medicate our pain away with sugar, sex, pills, food, drinks, and screens. Is that what we're doing? Is that what fasting might expose in our lives? as we turn our attention toward God and away from the temporary fixes we've been using. We built a fortress of distraction around our lives to keep out the reality that the world is difficult and that we all are passing away at some point. These distractions, I would say, are the things that control us. When every message that we hear is that we should maximize our happiness in this world and fulfill every desire and indulge every fantasy of experience in our lives, these are the things that come to control us. But taking control of them through the gift of fasting might be God's gift. They can tell us the truth that they don't actually make us feel better except for a moment. They actually rob our attention from the one who has loved us, the one in whom we live and move and have our being. This is not the life that God created us for. It's not the life that Christ died that we might live. It's not the life of the Holy Spirit rising up in us to be so distracted that we can't even hear the voice of God. 
fasting might just be that door through which we can walk into a deeper relationship with God. By the intentional decision that we make for a period of time to deny ourselves something of comfort on this earth so that our thoughts and affections and hopes might be reordered and finding their source and their end in God. Our attention might be turned to the fact that we have eternal souls and a Father in heaven who loves us. Now, how do you do fast? How do you do fasting, right? The Bible is not quite a how-to manual for fasting. We kind of, someone reminded me this morning, we probably need to find a book, Fasting for Dummies, that we can just all kind of pass around. Seems like everybody in the Bible just kind of knows how to do it already, right? Just, Jesus says, when you fast, oh, everybody fasts. But Jesus, in Matthew 6, is correcting that fasting and prayer and that giving of alms that people are doing. You know you can do the right things for the wrong reasons and in the wrong ways. It means that we are, if we are doing these things with the thought of how good it makes us look in the eyes of people or how godly it makes us look in the, right of, in the eyes of people, we're missing the point. Jesus is calling out those who practice their faith out in front of others, not for the glory of God, but for the glory of self. He says, if we fast just to show people how miserable we are willing to be for God, just keep eating. If we are praying out loud so that people can hear what beautiful language we use and how intimate we must be with God, just be quiet. If we give so that everybody would know how generous we are, you might as well just buy another house, a faster car, and another suit. Because God says you're missing the point if you're doing it to be seen by others. We're missing God if we're doing it to be seen by others. But engaging in these very blocking and tackling practices of prayer, of fasting, of giving, we are engaging practices on the right path to getting to know God better, to falling into alignment with discipleship of Jesus. Now, I have experienced a time in my life when I took my fast public, right? I told people about it, and it was a few years ago um, when during Lent, and I've mentioned this to you before, I gave up my smartphone. I went back to a flip phone. I mean, talk about suffering, right? <laughs> but the reason I share this story with you is because it was so weird that when I would have these conversations in the phone store with people, they would say, you want what? And it was one particular place across the street from our church in Atlanta that I went in and I said, I need a flip phone, blah, 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 blah. And we had been talking for about five minutes and about how weird that was. And he said, he said, let me ask you, why are you doing this? And I said, well, it's, this is going to sound weird, but I'm a Christian. And we go through a season called Lent where we believe God asks us to give up certain things so that we can turn our attention toward him. And this phone is distracting my attention away from God. I know that sounds weird, doesn't it? And this guy who couldn't have been older than 30, all tatted up, he was like, 
that actually sounds awesome. And so we had a talk about faith. And we had a talk about what it means to pay attention to God in our lives, to really listen for God in our lives. And that's the gift of being weird enough to practice fasting, right? To be given a gift from God that we can share with those around us. Now what Christ offers in this and what we are engaging in the practice of fasting, of giving up something that we don't have to give up for the sake of turning our attention toward God, it is an alternative to the standard way of living in the United States of America in 2021. It's absolutely uh, denying ourselves in a way that our culture rejects. Against the crushing tide that constantly tells us that we should consume everything that we want and can get, Jesus calls us to do what? To deny ourselves, to take up our cross, and to follow him. It's some invitation when you think about it, right? Not consume, not make yourself happy. He calls us to deny ourselves, to take up our cross, and to follow him, believing in faith that that is where God is. And that is where we find the greatest blessing that we can. This is the season that we're invited to remember that we came from dust and our bodies shall return to dust. But the Redeemer offers us to receive the gift of understanding what it means to walk with him. So I encourage you this week to find, maybe it's not a 24-hour period where you fast from food. Good. Figure out something that you depend on. Think of something, in fact, let's put this language on it. Think of something of which you would say, I can't live without that. That's the thing. That's it. And for a period of time, intentionally lay it aside. And let, when you miss that thing, pray this prayer. I don't live by bread alone, but I proceed from every word that proceeds from your mouth, O God. And let those short prayers pile up in your life to remind us that our dependence is not on us, but on the one who has loved us, the one who has redeemed us, and the one who will bring us to himself one day. Let us pray. So God, we thank you for life. We thank you for the gifts by which you draw us closer to yourself. We confess that we live lives of distraction. God, would you expose those to us now? Would you expose the distractions that call our attention to everything in the world except for you? In the way that we give in to them, Lord, forgive us. May we hear a word from you, God. May we intentionally put our faith into practice, not for others to see, but to indeed that we might see you, our Lord and our God, that we may follow Jesus, that we may be filled with your Holy Spirit. And so, Lord, I ask for your blessing and anointing on these who hear your word today, that we might be transformed as disciples of Jesus Christ. In whose name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us for this week's message from Pastor Owen Stepp. If you'd like to find out more about our church or view video of the full service, visit our website at westminstercharlotte.org.
Look forward to seeing you soon.